Spirit. And this is a series we've been doing for the last couple of weeks where this is part three of our series. And it's, uh, it's, it's a series that's, uh, series that's, that's important to our heart because one thing, when we talk about God, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Quite often, you know, it's God the Spirit is that we don't quite understand. Is, you know, we understand a, a Father and a Son relationship. How does the Spirit how does this spirit move? And this is what our series is about, exploring all these different areas. And, um, and I'm so glad that we are actually doing this series. And I was just thinking about sacred space. If you, if you can imagine where a sacred space, what do you think a sacred space is? Have you ever been to a place and you felt like you're walking on sacred space? Have you ever felt like that before? Have you been somewhere and it's like, it's sacred, like the ground that you're standing on is uh, something special. And I kind of felt that when I went back to the Cook Islands, and like my, my mum is from the Cook Islands, and I, and I remember going back to, uh, to the island of, of Rarotonga and the Cook Islands, and, um, and we went along to Titikavaka Cook Island Christian Church. And I remember standing on that site, and I just felt like, wow, this, like my, my heart was moved, and I felt like this site was sacred. And this, this place, this, the, the Cook Island uh, Christian Church was built in 1841, and, and as I stood there, I couldn't help but think about my grandmother who, who would come along to this, uh, to this church as a little girl, and she'll tell me many stories as a little girl running to church and, uh, on a Sunday morning, and me, all those years ago, as a, as a youngster, thinking, you know, I always thought, oh man, do I have to go to church today, and things like that, and my grandmother would tell me how she used to love going to church, she was just a little girl, she'd be wearing her white dress, she'd be running to church, and I'll, and I'll say to my grandmother, what if it's rain, would you still go to church? He goes, I would run really fast, I'll run from tree to tree till I got to church, and, and this reminded me of the love that she had for God, and, and as I stood on this spot in Titikavika, in, in Rarotonga, and I just thought, wow, this is the spot where my grandmother would come to church. Not just her, but her parents and her parents' parents, and her parents' parents would come along, and they would come, and this is where they, where they met God on the sacred side. And I felt like this place was, was sacred, that I was standing on sacred space. Have you ever felt like that before? You've been somewhere, and you felt like this was kind of sacred. And, and Moses, Moses was standing on, 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 on this ground, and all of a sudden he encounters the burning bush, and, and God's presence was in the burning bush, and, 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 the, and the presence of God spoke to Moses, and Moses, remove your sandals, for the ground you are standing upon is holy, is holy. Have you, have you ever felt like you, you're standing on holy ground? Have you ever felt like you're, you're standing on sacred space? And if you, could think of, if you could think of where the most sacred space on the planet, what, what would you think of? If you could think of right now, what do you think, where do you think the most sacred place on the planet is. If you can think of a place that is sacred, what do you think? And for most of us, we kind of think, oh, some, our minds will go to a church. Maybe the church is the most sacred place on the planet. Or maybe a temple is. Or, or maybe you'll think, maybe Jerusalem, right? Jerusalem, well, you know, Jesus, you know, he was crucified and he rose again in Jerusalem. So, so maybe Jerusalem is the most sacred place. And we, we have all these minds, but, but quite, often, quite often we think about all these sacred places and, and we think that for most of us, we kind of think, like, well, wherever there is sacred space, it's where I am not. Because whatever is sacred is holy, and I'm definitely not holy. Right? So if there is a sacred place, it is where I am not. Because I am not, I'm not holy. Maybe the reason why you stopped going to church is because you felt you weren't good enough. Maybe you stopped going to church because you, you felt that you're, that, that you're so rotten on the inside that God will no way forgive me for what I've done. 
And, 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 and church was, you kind of consider church as a holy place, and wherever I am, I'm definitely not holy, and therefore I'm not sacred. And maybe that's why you stopped going to church. Or maybe you got hurt in church, or maybe someone hurt you in that place, and, and, you, and you say, well, I, I, that is not a place that I want to be. It, it's, it's kind of like it's, it's, a, it's a sacred place, and I'm certainly not. And maybe you kind of felt like that. And if you're looking for a title of this message, the title of this message is Sacred Space. Sacred space. Now we're seeing in, in the series that we'll be going on that the Hebrew word for spirit is ruach. In, in fact, in, in Greek, it's the word pneuma. Here we have it. Oh, there we go. So it's working there, my, my PowerPoint. So in, in Hebrew, it's, it's ruach, and in Greek, it's pneuma. And, and, the, and, and the meaning, this meaning kind of overlaps in both languages. Kind of, they, they both mean the same. Both mean spirit. They both mean breath, and they both mean wind, and, and it overlaps. And, and when you read the, the Old Testament, it's, using, it's written in Hebrew, and it's the word ruach. And when we get to the New Testament, it's the word pneuma. And, and the meanings overlap, and, and, they, and they flow. And, 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 and this, this, the ruach, or spirit, is the, is the way that biblical writers will, would spoke about God's personal presence. And this is what the spirit was. There was God's personal presence. Now, in the Bible, the temple was a sacred space. And the reason why the temple was a sacred space is because it's where God's presence dwelt. Right? And so where God's presence dwelt, it becomes a sacred space. And in order to enter into the space, you had to cleanse yourself. You had to cleanse yourself. It's almost like you had to um, decontaminate yourself to enter sacred space because sacred space was holy god's space was holy and, and if i'm not sacred then i can't if i'm not holy then i can't enter into the sacred space and and there was this there was this 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 gap between what is sacred and what is not i'm not that sacred i'm not and the jews kind of believed that this was where god's presence dwelt and it's and, and it was a picture it was a symbol of, of where heaven and earth overlapped right where 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 god's home overlapped onto earth and was, this was, was a symbol of this this was, and this was a picture that, that, that one day God's presence will fill all of creation. This is what the temple was meant, meant to symbolize, that, that, that the whole creation is God's temple. That God will once again, His presence will fill all of His creation, all of His temple. But for, for people coming along to this temple, it's a sacred space and I'm not. In order for me to enter that sacred space, I have to cleanse myself, almost like de, uh, decontaminate myself so I can enter sacred space. you ever feel like you're being contaminated? Especially this, this place of COVID, we're all wearing masks and trying to keep ourselves from being contaminated from someone else. And, and if you're walking uh, past someone, someone's not wearing a mask, you all of a sudden get subcon- subconscious. You get, you're consciously thinking, oh man, what, I'm going to try to distance myself. And we can live in the place of fear and we can feel, I don't want to be contaminated by something else that's out there. But quite often we think there's sacred space and I'm not. Therefore, I can't enter into sacred space. But God's presence also came on certain people when we read the Old Testament. It came upon certain people. It came upon prophets. It came upon, like, it came upon, upon kings like King David. The presence of God would come upon him. But, but the point was, it didn't, the presence of God didn't come upon everyone. His presence came upon people for certain things, upon, upon people who, who, were, who were building the tabernacle. And, and God gave them, uh, God's presence came upon them to, be, to begin to, to mold and craft this amazing artwork within the tabernacle. Came upon Joseph when he interpreted the Pharaoh's dream. But God's presence will come upon certain people, but it didn't come upon everyone. But God's ruah, God's, God's presence would influence the prophet to say out loud what God wanted the people to hear. 
right? And quite often it was to expose the, the injustices that were going on. It was to expo- expose the idolatry that, 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 that people were beginning to, to, to get further and further away from God. And so the prophets will, will then begin being filled with God's presence, God's ruach, will begin to warn people and, and, to, and to show them the consequences, what will happen to them. But not only that, but the presence of God will also come upon them to also begin to tell them about a future hope that God will once again begin to, to, to fill again, not just, not just their space, but every space around them. People like the prophet Micah in Micah chapter 3, verse 8. Wow, there we go. Oh, my amazing wife, she's taking control of the computer. She's amazing. Micah uh, chapter 3, verse 8 says this, But as for me, I'm filled with power, with the ruach of the Lord, with the spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might, to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. Right? And, and if, you, if, you know, if you know the history, Jacob referred to, Jacob here is referring to uh, more the, the southern kingdom, Israel, more the northern kingdom. Jacob, his transgression, and Israel, his sin. So what we find in the Old Testament narrative is that human, humanity continues to rebel against God. What's the issue here? The issue is the heart, right? And we think about it. Think about, our, think about ourselves. It's quite often it's our hearts, our, it's our desires. Where man continues to, to choose what was right and wrong in our own eyes, right? We do this all the time. You can't tell me what to do. You're telling me to wear a mask? I ain't wearing a mask. Uh, you, you can't tell. I'm going to choose what is right or wrong in my own eyes. You can't tell me what to do. And this was, this was the condition of a heart and people rebelling against God. Oh, I, God, I don't want to. God, what do you, no, I want to do what's right or wrong in my own eyes. I'm going to continue to, to grasp, continue to grab what is right and, wrong, uh, right and wrong. And, and the Bible tells us the condition is our heart. It comes from out of our heart. Out of our heart, a man speaks is what, is what Jesus says. But then the prophets who are, who are appointed by God's Spirit gives a promise that a future ruler would come and bring a future hope to creation and that God's people will one day actually not rebel, right? And actually be faithful. The prophet Ezekiel in chapter 11 verse 19 says this, And I will give them singleness, singleness give them singleness of heart, and put a new spirit within them. I will take away their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender, responsive heart so they will obey my decrees and regulations. Then they will truly be my people and I will be their God. See, the prophets use vocabulary like new creation and spirit together. So Ezekiel, he's envisioning that one day, he, well, the, the only way that that, that a human is going to be fully alive to God and to love God and to love their neighbor, that if God's ruach, that God's spirit, recreates them, specifically the heart. Specifically the heart. So when King David, when we read the narrative of King David, you know, mighty king, if you know King David in the Bible, anointed by God, in fact, the Bible tells us that, that, that David was a man after God's own heart. But yet King David still foul and he fell into, into and there was a time in his life where, where things didn't go so well in his life and, and he made mistakes. We all make mistakes, no matter how perfect we, we, may, we think we, we may be. And David fell into a place where he fell into adult, um, adultery that ultimately led to the, to the murder of the person he fell in adultery of their husband. 
And so here was David. He's now, and he goes on and he marries Bathsheba, the person that he fell into adultery, the person that, that he, he goes on and murders her husband. And as a king, he's there ruling. All of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon the, the prophet Nathan and he goes before the king, the, the audacity. The audacity of someone to come before a king and to challenge them. But when the Spirit of God comes upon you, when the Ruach of God comes and speaks to you, he comes before King David and exposes, exposes his sin. So what does King David do? He drops in repentance. His heart is broken. And he's, and he's broken in, in despair and sorrow that he begins to pen the psalm that we find in Psalms 51 verse 10. And what does he write? He, he writes this, Create in me a clean what? A clean heart. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right ruach, a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your holy ruach, your holy spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing ruach. See, ruach means spirit, right? That's, that's, and that's what we've seen in the series. It means spirit, it means wind and breath. But in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, it also means the human mind. Ruach means, in the Old Testament, means the human, human mind. And this is the only part where ruach and numa don't overlap. Because mind does this, and, and, and numa does not mean mind. It, but quite often, um, Apostle Paul would say that the, that the, that the uh, numa will come upon the mind. Kind of links it like that. But, but also, in the Old Testament, ruach also means mind, a human mind. It means a human mind. And, and so, so King David comes before God broken and in repentance. Recreate my heart. Recreate my heart. Give me a new ruach, a new way of thinking that's full of integrity, a new value system. Uh, uh, Lord, recreate the way that I think about myself and the way that I think about other people. And don't take your holy ruach, your personal presence away from me. So Ezekiel declares that a time is coming when God will fill every believer, not just some, not just this prophet over here, not just this king over here, not just this person, but every believer with his personal presence, recreating a new heart and a new spirit. So by the time we, we get to Jesus, the temple, the temple that's supposed to be sacred space, the temple that's supposed to be where heaven and earth overlaps, a picture of, when, of God's God one day coming in and reestablishing the, uh, the world again in his presence again. This, this temple has become corrupt. And why has this temple come corrupt? Because of the hearts of the leaders of their time. So we find in John chapter 2, verse 13, this is what we read. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple court and he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves and others sitting at tables exchanging money. Well, this doesn't sound like heaven and earth meeting, right? So people were being charged excessive prices for substandard animals. This doesn't sound like loving God and loving people. It goes on into verse 15. So he made a whip out of cords and he drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. 
He scattered, scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned the tables. To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remember that it is written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? So what authority do you have? Jesus? What authority do you have to come to the temple of God? What authority do you have? And Jesus answered them. I love this. Jesus makes a big claim. He makes a huge claim here. And, and, and you know, the Pharisees, the, the, the leaders of the temple, it doesn't go unnoticed when, what he says. He, this is what he says. He says, destroy this temple. Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. Are you going to raise it up in three days? Then he goes on in verse 21. But the temple he had spoken was his body. See, what Jesus was claiming, he was claiming that he is heaven and earth in bodily form. Verse 22. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. See, Jesus was claiming that he was the true temple. That Jesus was the true temple. That was a real big claim. You know, coming into this place, that I am the temple. Because what authority do you have? I am the temple. In fact, Jesus will go on. Jesus will go on in Scripture and say that God's presence was filling the world through his own life, death, and resurrection. And Jesus proves it. You know how Jesus proves it? That God was filling the world with, through him with his presence. You know how he proves it? He proves it by actually raising back to life. Do you need any proof? I'm going to come back and show you. So after his resurrection, Jesus gathers his disciples and he says to them, come on, God's presence, God's numa, God's ruach is going to come to dwell in you and among you. Do you see what he's saying? That God's personal presence is going to dwell in and amongst every believer, not just on some, but on every believer. In other words, his followers would become many temples. Many temples. The Apostle Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Come on. That your bodies are temples. Your body is a temple of God that in you dwells the presence of God. In you dwells the numa, the ruach of God. In you dwells his personal presence, dwells inside of you, that you have the breath of life. You have the breath of, of ruach inside of you, but you also have the personal presence of God inside of you. That's, that's talking and communicating, influencing your own ruach, your own thinking. You are sacred. Remember when I asked you in the beginning, I said, where is the most sacred place on the planet? Where is the most sacred place on, this, on the planet? And the answer is, you are. You are the most sacred 
space in the planet. You are the most sacred place. You are more sacred than the most sacred sites anywhere on the planet because the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you. You are sacred and so are the people around you. You are sacred and so are the people around you. You know what this means for us? It means that if you've ever felt unworthy, it means that if you ever feel not good enough, if you ever felt ungood enough, not good enough, unworthy, have you ever felt like that you're so rotten? You've felt rotten that there's no way God can forgive me. Come on. There's someone in the Bible who can relate to you, who knows where you are. You know what his name is? His name is King David. Create in me a clean heart. Come on. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold within me a willing spirit. Come on, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Did you know Jesus is the only one who can go into those places of regret? Anybody got regrets? Right? Jesus is the only one who can, can go into those places and wipe the slate clean. Jesus is the only one that can restore and give you a, a new heart. Not just fix up this heart we have, but give you a new heart. And renew a right thinking. Re, 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 uh, give you a right spirit within you. So we look at buildings such as churches, right? And we, we're, here we are, we're doing service online. Of, oh, can't wait till we can get back in the building. The building, building is not sacred, right? You're sacred. We look at buildings like churches as being sacred places, but, it's, but we get it wrong. It's, it's the people, the people of God, the people who love Jesus. You are sacred. You are a sacred space. That's why when Jesus says in Matthew chapter in Matthew chapter 18 verse 20 he says, for where two or three gather in my name there am I with you. Did you get that? For where two or three gather in my name I am with you. It means that wherever believers are gathered the spiritual ground that they occupy is holy ground. To get that, not the buildings, but the people. That whenever believers gather, gather together, that the spiritual ground is holy amid the powers of darkness. So even this week, I'm just turning on the TV and you see darkness on our news. It surrounds us. But if we could see with spiritual eyes, if we could see the world of darkness peppered with lights of God's presence and each single one of us believers, in the world of darkness, there's lights of God's presence in every believer spreading out to meet each other. Come on, we were never meant to do life alone. That's what Jesus says when two or three gathered. You know what Jesus is saying? This is not about being one person, one lone wolf. 
So if you're watching this and maybe you, you think to yourself, oh, you know what? I, I had enough of those other people. I'll just do it alone. Jesus says in two or three, meaning we're never meant to do life alone. That when God's presence, when God's light amongst the darkness, begin to seek out other lights. And when they meet each other, relentlessly pressing and spreading out to take back the ground of the disinherited nations from the enemy. Come on. Come on, Aotearoa. When we see darkness all around, it's the lights of the believers coming together, pressing back, pushing back the darkness. And where there is light, darkness must flee. See, at one time, not long, not long ago, there was one light mirandering its way through domains of hostile gods. That light nearly went out. But then another solitary but great light shone in the darkness and the darkness could never put it out. That light will turn the darkness into light and the nations of the world will be drawn to it. Nations like the Cook Islands, Rarotonga, where they built a church in Titikavaka in 1841. Nations like Aotearoa. Nations of the world will be drawn to this light. That when the church gathers, come on, two or three, that's all it takes. Two or three. When the church gathers in the name of Jesus, that gathering, therefore, is on holy ground. You are sacred. And so are the people around you. God has caused you to be the light in the darkness. Not to be a solitary light, but a light that gathers with other believers to bring light to your school places, your places of education, your, your families. Come on, there's nothing when we turn the news on. But there's one that gives us hope, the light that the darkness can never put out. And his name is Jesus. He's the one that will recreate your heart, give you a new heart, and renew your spirit, give you right thinking. He's the only one that can go into those places of regret and wipe the slate clean. For you are sacred space.